That's what's happening now. So I wonder what's happening with you all. I know that in this room you have entered this place with a, a very mixed variety of stories and ways that God has been with you. And how many of you love a really good story about God being awesome in someone's life? You love to hear a testimony about God showing up in ways like three of you do. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's, it, it is really powerful when somebody comes in and they say, hey, I moved across the country, I got this new job, it's fabulous, it's taking care of all the needs of our family, and we're able to, you know, we're able to share. Nope, don't go there yet, Tammy. And, uh, and so, there, you know, we're able to share good amounts of money with the poor and those that don't have anything. I mean, they, they left everything and started a new life, and they say, God is so good, and you would say what? Like, uh, yeah, all the time, or hallelujah, that's fantastic. Unless you're the person that moved across the country and you took that job and you found out your boss was really not who you thought they were going to be, and the chemistry wasn't good, and then you were unable to make your bills. So I don't know if that's ever been anybody's story. You know what I'm saying, right? Or, or I love, I got to tell you, I love that um, you know, Scott laid hands on his mother's dog and brought the dog back to life. I mean, that's a really cool story, right? That's a really cool story. The dog was left for dead under the tree and, you know, got another year out of Nikki, right? All I want to say is hallelujah. Go ahead. If you like a dog, unless you're the person um, like me who prayed for months for my son to live and my son went to heaven and didn't experience life here, right? But that's still my testimony. It's still part of my testimony. I remember when Scott and I went to um, this, this pastor's gathering and somebody had a prophetic word that there's a guy in here that's getting up in the morning and crawling to the crawling, you know, to get the coffee in the morning and your knees and your ankles are, they're just all blown up. God wants to heal you right now. And And so we went up to get prayer, and Scott was healed right on the spot. Never again had a swollen knee or ankle, never crawled again. But I was scheduled for Tuesday surgery, and I didn't get nothing except for a trip to the hospital, right? And it's my testimony. There are parts of our stories that I got to say we can just rejoice in, and there are other parts that we just say, wow, uh, what was that about? And, um, and whose fault is it? Do I need to forgive myself? Do I need to forgive a bad doctor? Do I need to forgive the boss? Do I need to forgive God? And there might be, all of those might be right in there, but do you know that the big work of our Christian faith is forgiveness? Anybody get to practice that? You guys get to practice that on a regular basis? Come on. Your boss isn't here. Raise your hand high. Your teacher's not here. You get to practice forgiveness on a regular basis. This is the practice of our faith. So this morning, I got up at 1 o'clock. I wasn't wasn't supposed to get up till 3 o'clock because... um, I have to take antibiotics right now because I had a, uh, what do you call that, a root canal on Friday. 
And this dentist, the whole time she is digging. You ever have them do that digging thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one was through a bridge. So it was like, okay, we got to do it really carefully so we don't crack your bridge. And it costs you $3,000 instead of $900. So they're, they're, they're digging through the bridge. And then they grab your nerve and they start to pull it out like this. It's really fascinating. And the whole time, the dentist is saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's really great. And I thought to myself, um, really, and I kept saying, it's okay. Well, I sort of said, you know, over and over because I knew that the pain that I was going through was going to lead me to healing because I had an infection in here that had to get out of there. And so sometimes, um, you know, we realize that even the pain that we're going through, uh, there's a good physician in charge. And while God does not bring everything, God will work all things together for our good because we are dearly loved. And so thanks be to God. So I got up at 1 o'clock this morning, and then I couldn't go back to sleep. Does that ever happen to you? And Jesus wants to talk to you. Have you ever had Jesus want to talk to you at 1 o'clock in the morning? Oh, it's, it's fun because you're vulnerable. You're thinking, Jesus, I really want to go to sleep, but no permission. So I went out into the kitchen, and we just cleaned up from Christmas. Did you guys clean up from Christmas yet? We just cleaned up from Christmas. We needed to do it before Groundhog Day because then everybody would have, you know, they'd be making fun of Christmas at our house like it's Groundhog Day. So I cleaned up Christmas, and Scott, you know, cleaned up Christmas, and I went into the drawer at 1 o'clock this morning, and I found these two little cards that are supposed to be in the bowl with the cards, Um, but they were in the junk drawer, so, oh, no, they got to come back out, because Christmas is over, this is my regular stuff, and I have this little bowl of cards that my spiritual director gave me, and uh, my spiritual director friend, and guess what was on the top? Who do you need to forgive? Whom do you need to forgive? Well, I cracked up because today's message is about forgiveness. And I said, oh, so I guess you want me to think about this right now. So I got up my journal, and I began to make a list of who I needed to forgive. Now, I don't know if that's a regular practice for you or not, but Scott and I actually every day pray um, for the people we need to forgive. We pray for our enemies We pray for those that despitefully used us. Uh, We pray for forgiveness for the things we have done and the things we have left undone. And then the other card that was in there was, what is God calling you to? So I thought, okay, so am I supposed to write letters to these people that I just named? And and what is it that you want me to do? I think God is serious and funny at 1 a.m., Because nobody else is bothering me then. Nobody's emailing. Nobody's calling. It's just God saying, whom do you need to forgive and what am I calling you to? And so that, that's awesome. I mean, Jesus said it. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. This is a tough scripture. Can anybody say, wow, help me, Jesus? right? And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So if you've been betrayed, or you've been lied about, 
or you've been bullied, or you have been misunderstood, or you've been sick, or you've been self-medicating, and, and it has turned out badly with a DUI. If you, if you have a story, my friends, know that God is working something in you. And the people that you know that have these stories, God is working something beautiful in them if we would just guard our hearts. So here's what happened. So, you know, I, many of you know that uh, our church is involved in helping survivors of sexual assault and human trafficking. Does everybody know that? That this is big work that Crossroads has been up to for a very long time, like 21 years ago. I think we helped cut the ribbon for the first child advocacy center. And then it ended up moving into our place. So can you, we give thanks for that? It's a, it's a great gift. And I thank God, oh, I can't even believe that God had this in mind all the time, that the police across the street were going to be over here on a regular basis. And your pastor is not getting arrested. It really is about helping people. And so... Um, I listen to a lot of stories of people who've been through the most horrendous acts any human being could ever go through. And uh, I, I love to talk to my friends, Sean and Kathleen, about these things because they're able to hold story in ways for Scott and I that maybe wouldn't be something you'd want to talk to me about at the dinner table. You know what I'm saying? But these are dinner table stories with, with Sean and Kathleen. And I was telling one story about a person who has violated innocent people and, you know, what was happening and how we were going, you know, how we were helping the survivor and et cetera. And Sean said, Claire, guard your heart. You know, and I know exactly what he means because he had to learn how to guard his heart for 25 years with the state police and then being in charge of the violent crimes unit, he had to learn to guard his heart in a way that he could actually be an open door for someone to receive forgiveness on their way into jail and recover their lives or guard their heart and help someone find a way to do another kind of reconciliation. Guard your heart. I don't think we always remember we need to guard our hearts. Sometimes we judge very quickly. Sometimes we say, that bad thing happened to that person, that I think I know the story. Whatever it is, you might have this judgment in your heart, and yet in our very most nature, all of us in the kingdom, even monkeys, want to reach forth a hand to connect. Have you ever seen the monkeys do this? It's actually a thing. It's a scientific thing that they talk about how they reach forward to connect. And human beings are meant to connect. We are not meant to isolate one another when difficult things happen and we don't know how to be with each other. So <clears throat> we're talking about 2020 vision. Can you all say 2020 vision? And today we're going to be talking about 2020 vision for forgiveness. One of the books I'm recommending to you is written by Desmond Tutu and his daughter, the Reverend Tutu. 
During the past decade, there has been more and more research into forgiveness, whereas previously the discussion of forgiveness was left to the religious, it is now gaining attention as an academic discipline studied not only by philosophers and theologians, but also by psychologists and physicians. There are hundreds of research projects on forgiveness taking place at universities around the world. The Campaign for Forgiveness Research, with funding from Templeton Foundation, has 46 different research projects projects on forgiveness alone. Don't you think God is smart that God's been talking to us about forgiveness since the very beginning? Come on, say God's smart. Even neuroscientists are studying the biology of forgiveness and exploring evolutionary barriers in the brain that hinder the act of forgiving. Some are even looking to see if there might be a forgiveness gene somewhere in the DNA. However, you have a DNA from Jesus, so it's in there. Just know that. If it didn't come from your, you know, your family of origin, you got it. Go ahead, tell somebody you got it. You got it. It's in there. As modern forgiveness research evolves, the findings clearly show that forgiving transforms people mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. We have science to back up what God has been saying. In Forgive for Good, a proven prescription for health and happiness, psychologist Fred Luskin writes, it's careful scientific studies, forgiveness training has been shown to reduce depression, increase hopefulness, decrease anger, improve spiritual connection, and increase emotional self-confidence. These are just some of the very real, concrete, psychological benefits. Research also shows that the people who are more forgiving report fewer health and mental problems and fewer physical symptoms of stress. So I just want to say there are two books that we call top-shelf forgiveness books, books at our house. These are re- top-shelf, okay? Don't reach for the top-shelf stuff. Reach for the top-shelf stuff. Forgiving. The book of forgiving, forgiving by Desmond Tutu. Can you imagine that someone like Desmond Tutu wants to teach us to forgive when he has so much to be bitter about? Don't you love that? And then you got to you got to read it with don't forgive too soon because don't forgive too soon teaches us about dignity and justice. It gives us a way to be with both justice and mercy, extending the two hands, and we'll probably talk a little more about that, Scott Will, next week. So what I want to say is just a few things about forgiveness. I'm practicing. Can everybody say you're practicing? I'm practicing. You guys remember the movie What About Bob? Remember when Bob is on the boat and he's like tied to the sail and he's like, I'm sailing, I'm a sailor, you know? So some of us, we might want to say, I'm forgiving, I'm a forgiver, but we've just gotten on the boat. And others of us have a really brand new, raw, fresh wound. And I want to say, we're not going to get through this in 20 minutes, so when I'm done, I know that I will have missed at least 2,000 scriptures from this group of people that I should have put in. So just let's all take notes. And what is the Holy Spirit going to speak to you? Because trust me, the Holy Spirit speaks when we talk about things that we're brave enough to dive into. So here's the big one. Are you ready? And if you Google this right now, you're going to find people on both sides of the question. What about forgiving God? 
You know, because some people think if you say you need to forgive God, then that means God sins. So that's heresy. So let's just make it clear, God does not sin. However, there are real relational um, processes that we go through as we are in a real relationship with God. Do you guys know that? How many have known Jesus long enough to know you've wrestled it to the mat a couple of times? And said, God, I don't understand. Come let us reason together. What, you know, I know what I was feeling, but what were you thinking? You know? So there is this real story in the Bible, if you'd stand for the reading of God's word. It's a story about a couple named Hannah and Elkanah. And it has ramifications, I think, that might serve us today. So... Uh, Matt Lynn, will you come up and read this for me so I can save my voice a little bit? You're welcome. Good morning, everybody. From 1 Samuel, there was a certain man named Ramathame, a... Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroah, son of Elihu, son of Toa, son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. <laughs> he had two wives. The name of the one. you have two wives, you have twice the trouble. So don't be getting into big love, right? One is enough. (laughs) The the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Panina. Panina, Panina, tomato, tomato. Going to Panera. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Now, hold on a minute. Mm. Right? So, this other chick... She's not loved, and Hannah's loved. So already you just got a cauldron going on here. Okay. Though the Lord had closed her womb, her rival Hmm. used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Okay, so let's just say this is mean girls. This was the first mean girls. Okay. (laughs) So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? How long you been married, Matt? Going on now... 
17 years. Yeah, would Amanda put up with you saying, aren't I better than 10 of anything she's missing? Not 17 minutes. No, no, no there you go. <laughs> <laughs> she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So, well, and you know how drunk girls act, mm. right? So we're talking about it was, it, you know, we're not talking about she had a glass of wine and a tear fell. She, this was, uh, this was a sight. This was a sight. Mm-hmm. So Eli said to her, how long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Thanks, Matt. Let's pause for just a minute here. God, there is so much in this story. Um, Can't imagine what it was like to be Hannah, to have waited years for what she prayed for. And then to have her husband take another wife that taunted her. I can't imagine what it was like to have anybody close to me that would say, aren't I better than 10 of that? Rather than to sit with me and help me find a way to find God. Thank you that Hannah wept bitterly, that she didn't make it sweet and pretend she was not happy, not understanding, that bitterness was beginning to even go beyond anger. And this bitterness even looked like she was out of control. And yet you had been hearing her all along, all while she was waiting, and it was a long, long time. God, give us the ability to be honest with you like Hannah willing to say what is true and not try to polish and sanitize our prayers, but to have a real relationship with you. And that if there's anything between us where we're not reconciled or anger is keeping us from you, we know that you'll be faithful to speak. And love us right where we are. Always in your mercy, you hear our prayers. You can be seated. So I really wonder, can you really forgive others or yourself before you forgive God? Um, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Do you think maybe it's got to happen here with God before it can happen here or here? 
Like, if you don't even know you're, you're holding something against God, like, God, why did that happen? Because you are more of a religious person. You feel like you can't talk to God in ways that might be bitter, like Hannah did. You don't feel like you have permission to actually pour your heart out. So maybe we can just wonder if it's us that needs to forgive God with all our heart, mind, and strength and forget, so we can forgive our neighbor as ourselves. You know, maybe right here first, before we can do any of this. I, I just wonder. I am not going to read this to you, but I will just let you know that there is a journal of psychology and theology at Biola University where they actually did some research on people who were angry with God and wanted to find out how many people were angry with God about something, and there were like 85%. So what we know is that through these several studies, it's taught us that people who report, this, are, report that they're angry are the strongest and most resilient. But people who stuff it or suppress it and get all religious about it and say, I can't, I could never talk to God like that. Actually, that low-grade under rumble of anger just hangs on. So we want to say that, you know, we don't want people to exit relationships with God and rebel or choose substances to cope. So we might want to weep bitterly and talk to God about the mean girl or about the bad husband, right, that doesn't understand or the, the longing that you've prayed for and you prayed over and over and over again. Like, I've been waiting forever. I, I, I was with one young girl that said, you know, I, I um, didn't have... Uh, sex before marriage, and I waited, and I waited, and I met this man, and he could quote scripture like you can't believe, and he wooed me, and I thought, this is it, Jesus, and two months into the marriage, uh, abuse was there, and you, you know, you, you, she just was like, and then I see these other people, like they don't even know what they're doing, and they pick somebody, ends up being a gem, and I'm really angry at God about that. So I just want to say, friends, if we actually will assert ourselves and see it morally permissible to weep bitterly with God and say, God, I don't understand this part of my life. When our son Paul went to heaven, my dad said to me, Claire, it's okay to get mad at God. You have a relationship with God. You can talk to God. You can tell him you don't understand, that you prayed every day. And I'm going to tell you, friends, we did have people that came up to us and said, well, if you'd have prayed these scriptures and anointed with this oil and done it this way, your baby would have lived. And I just want to say, bless your heart. Because sometimes healing doesn't happen this side of heaven, my friends. Sometimes people die poor in Haiti. And they don't get the job of their dreams. They're suffering in the world. And we are the people that if we have a relationship with God, we can say, God, what about this? Can you talk to me about this? And then God might wake you up with a little card in the, at 1 o'clock in the morning and say, whom do you need to forgive? Lewis Smead said, forgiving does not erase the bitter past. A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into a hope for the future. It's beautiful. 
right? And, and what we want to say is that when we forgive evil, we, don't, we do not excuse it. We do not tolerate it. We do not smother it. We look the evil full in the face, call it what it is, and let its horror shock and stun and enrage us, and only then do we forgive it. See, because there's people who are all over here in this mercy stuff, and uh, I do encourage all of us adults to go see Just Mercy. Everybody get to the movie theater and, and, and... Let's see just mercy. And then let's remember that we need to look evil in the face and engage it and say, not on my watch, not on my watch. Yeah, or as Sean used to say, yes, you can be forgiven. And for this, you've got to go to jail, right? Yes, you can be forgiven, but you need to make the phone call and ask that person to forgive you. Yes, you can forgive that person, but you don't have to let them back in your living room right? So, so forgiveness, this is why I said those two books are so important because we can't just do this blanket, you know, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. Um, because there are, uh, it, you know, in my family, I'm Sicilian and we have a couple of people that they, what is said about them is he who shall not be named. Like they don't even say the name. He who shall not be named, Right? And I have had to practice actually saying the names of the people who have hurt me the worst in prayer. I don't get like an an overwhelming, warm feeling. I might even weep bitterly, but I want to tell you I'm healing as I do it because I'm confronting. When there's been evil, I can confront evil. Do you know you can confront evil, friends? And sometimes it's done in prayer. Sometimes it's not your job to go back to that uncle or that aunt, and say anything because it's not safe. But you can weep bitterly with God and find out what to do about that. And when you don't know why God allowed what God allowed, what we know is that we are the people of God on earth executing the justice and the mercy of God through our voices, through our hands, through our feet. We are those people. We are the people that bring forgiveness and teach what forgiveness is. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Unforgiveness change you to your unhelpful history. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. And so I just want to start practicing with you, if you don't mind. And it might not feel like you want to participate. You are totally free not to. But some of us are ready to start saying these things out loud and practicing with God and say to God, God, maybe you can't even say, I forgive you, but you can say, God, I want to forgive you. Because I know from your word and through the great matriarchs and patriarchs that you really do work all things together for good for those that love God. I know like Habakkuk saying, though the fig tree is not blossoming, there's no grapes on the vine, there's no calves in the stalls, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to allow you to show me 
and speak to me or hold me and be with me in the silence. Before I can forgive anybody, anything, I need to just check it out in here. Do I hold you accountable, either what you haven't done to change something or what you didn't do to keep something from happening? Because you are the God of the universe, we know. And while you never cause evil, we know that you are able to help us look evil straight in the face after we've seen you look at us. So God, for all that we don't understand, it's a weird word to say, but I forgive you. And maybe you want to say that to God, I forgive you. I forgive you for that failed relationship that you didn't keep me from that person. I forgive you for that death in my family that I knew you could have done something. I forgive you. I forgive you, God, or I want to forgive you. However you want to talk honestly with God and know that it's just the beginning. You're taking this back into your ordinary life. And the question is whom do I need to forgive? And if it's you, God, help me open. And if I think it's a person, I need to check back and say, well, God, have I forgiven you yet so that I can forgive that person? And only you and God will know. And maybe somebody close to you that has the courage to tell you the truth and the mercy to say it kindly.